0: five of the sleeper in the bus podcast it's your tuesday edition i am paul sport joined as always on tuesdays by mr eno saris eno good afternoon good sir how are you
1: good good to hear
0: good to hear i know you're preparing to go to the yard soon
1: yeah and i think i'm sick again but i have no idea because i've decided that being a parent is being like low level sick all the time
0: you just maybe always kind of like how we say you know once the season starts for players they're no longer at 100% they're always kind of yes. in that you know maybe <laughs> nice. 80 to 93% range of health that's that's where you're at oh i guess that's parenting we figured it out
1: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> figured it out.
0: But uh, yeah, we got a great episode coming up. We're gonna talk some injuries, talk some hot performances, talk some cold performances too. I'm a, I'm gonna I'm throw. I forgot to put a name on on the uh, on the board there. I think uh, on the sheet that I sent you. But oh no, I, he's on there. There's a guy we gotta talk about on the downside of things, uh, performance-wise. Some player movement, and then nothing on the bullpens today because it's actually been pretty quiet. Uh, you know, the Tommy John was confirmed for Ottavino, but we kind of knew that was coming. Axford, Betancourt, those are your options. Everything else pretty chill in the bullpens right now but I'm sure that will change let's dive right into the injury talk here because uh, we got a couple of superstars out front or at least folks that people thought could become superstars this year maybe they were kind of trending closer to that star level however you want to break it down it's more semantics but these were really high impact players that people thought that they could invest in this year early on and get big returns the first one is Alex Cobb and he's just been flat shut down now And Mark Topkin uh, out out in Tampa Bay is speculating that it could be an elbow ligament tear for him. He said, you know, it's called informed speculation based on on the information that he's heard. That's what he's going for. So there's no timetable for Cobb. Uh, He's just been shut down. This has gone gotten horrible. I mean this has been a disaster. And I was very high on Cobb coming into the season. And the one drawback that that folks had uh is exactly what's played out, the health piece. And I think you even mentioned it too when I was pumping him up. You're saying, yeah, okay, we see the talent, but where's the health piece? Because 136, 143, and 166 innings in the last three years for Cobb. I was hoping it was time to keep building up, but instead it looks like we're gonna go down another level here if we get Cobb at all. What, what, what are you doing? How are you reacting to this now that he's been shut down? Uh, and it doesn't look like we're going to see much from Cobb anytime soon.
1: Yeah, it's sad. Uh, I mean, when you're stuck in these situations, you never – there's no good way out. I mean, uh, he's too good to drop uh, until you have to hear something. I didn't even – you know, I had Ottavino, um, And last night I was considering, you know, picking up a reliever for him. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to wait one more day. Just to get confirmation, I think you have to do the same thing for Alex Cobb, which is just, you know, make sure, you know, this is this is close enough where you're not sure sure that TJ is coming. So make sure before you drop him, you can't sell him. And um, I mean, the only way I would sell him is if if I was competing for a title this year in a dynasty league, and someone could give me something that would help this yeah. year, um, that that was somewhat close, and they and they were betting on next year. That's the only way I'd do it, but. Otherwise, and I and I'm in a, a similar situation that I have. Common in the dynasty league, I'm you know top half, but I'm not. You know, in the top three, so I'm not going to sell Cobb.
0: Yeah, I and and even the, even in that situation that you've talked about where you're selling, you're probably still selling at a discount because even if someone's going to buy, they're not going to buy full bore. It's just tough. It's just a tough situation. I think it's an even tougher situation for this next guy, who we seemingly have to talk about on every episode because the there is news, and the news is always that he's not playing. He's not coming back anytime soon, et cetera, et cetera. That's Anthony Rendon. Um, he's also been shut down. So now he's out indefinitely. Can, you know, we keep checking that lineup in Harrisburg every day, double A for the, for the nationals for uh, Redone's name. It's not there. We get the update and now we find out that he's been flat shut down and we, he's got an oblique strain in addition to the knee. So this has turned into a disaster as well. I imagine you're doing something similar where you just have to wait, but what do you expect that we're going to see him anytime soon? And then what, what happens to his value when he does start playing?
1: Uh, well, you know, the Nationals kind of need him pretty bad. Yeah, I, I should say so. And, uh, I mean, it's not that Danny Espinosa has been terrible. It's just but that um, – it, It's more about
0: Rendon's potential as opposed to the guys who – you know, because even you know Escobar, five-hit day yesterday. He's been all right. Like right. They've got some decent depth there, but the fact is they needed that high-impact star to be playing with these two guys, Espinosa and Escobar, on the bench, and then all of a sudden the team makeup looks much better.
1: And – you know obliques are rough uh i kind of point to david wright most of the time as i'm not say not sure it's the worst case scenario there have been other people i think longoria had a a year that he pretty much almost lost to an oblique Mm -hmm. strain but wright's obliques have have um flared up on him from time to time And, and basically you can almost line up his oblique strains with his bad years oh wow and so i I'm not saying that it'll be, I mean, Rendon is younger than, uh, right. When Wright had these problems, um, that might mean that he's more likely to have them, you know, more often and and make more of an issue. But when he's in, he should be able to play better. Um, I don't think, I don't see a reason to dock him too badly. It's not a wrist. It's not a handmade bone, which, you know, can sometimes sap your power. It's not a wrist, uh, fracture or something like that. It's, um, it's important, but we saw Denard Spahn come back from an oblique just, just recently. And, so. and catch fire right away. I don't think this changes. I don't actually don't think this changes too much. I mean, yes, it's a, it's a different body part, and it's upsetting that they've shut him down. But they could have shut him down for the knee, too. And it could have been surgery, and that would have been a bigger deal. I think.
0: Yeah, my, my only concern with Rendon right now in terms of once he gets back is how much is he gonna, going to run because that was you know, a big piece of his fantasy value last year as a potential 2020 type, 21 homers last year, 17 stolen bases – If he can't run, he could still be a big asset because his offense is still high quality across the board, but it's not going to be that first, second round type that he was drafted as. So that's that's unfortunate there. Um, Another potential big loss here, although this one is a little bit more day to day that. Because we don't have a lot of news yet with Hanley Ramirez, he ran square into the wall, just crushed it, uh, trying to make a catch in, in Fenway yesterday. Uh, not the Green Monster, he ran into the to the foul uh, the wall and foul territory. It was not good. It didn't look good at all. He's absolutely been amazing so far. Hanley has 10 homers, three fewer than he hit in 512 plate appearances last year. Uh, he's got a 949 OPS. They can't lose him. Fantasy teams can't lose him. This one didn't look good, though. I feel like that, uh, I believe this is a shoulder that he's had worked on before, and so crushing into it like that, full bore, can't be good. What do you think about Hanley right now with regards to this potential shoulder injury?
1: Well, you know, this is exactly what we talked about in the post in the preseason. I mean, we, we talked about how you can't proje- uh, project him for a full season in terms of uh, plate appearances, and then we talked about whether or not you know, moving off a of shortstop would, would help him stay healthy. And I don't, I think it might've I think you said he can run into a yeah, wall. Ex- ex- exactly. I mean, because th-
0: that is obviously the main thing that can happen when you're, when you're playing defense. Um, and it, the, the thing I worried about, and obviously people have been talking about how he's kind of, Shifting, shape shifting into man, Manny Ramirez, you know, with the with the hair uh, and the and the loose helmet and and the 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 elite hitting, you know, that's a good part of of being Manny Ramirez, you know, kind of the interesting defense out there in left field, and so. That's the thing that I worried about is that he would still just get hurt. Uh, Obviously, it's better than playing shortstop, but it it doesn't put him in a bubble. The only way you can really put him in a bubble is DH, and they've got a decent DH there in Boston that uh, I don't believe Hanley will be taking over playing time for anytime soon. And unfortunately, as great as David Ortiz is, uh, that does hamstring them with some of these older guys that, that Boston has because they can't kind of get just Hanley's bat in for a few days or if Pablo Sandoval was dealing with an ailment it's much tougher to do that because you can't take out Ortiz so like I said it's day-to-day right now with Hanley but this is a bummer I think it was Tim Heaney uh, over at USA Today who, who made a tweet though that I agree with if you didn't draft a very capable shortstop backup when you got Hanley that's kind of your own fault you didn't necessarily have to draft one in the second round if you took Hanley in the first round or the third round if you took him in the second whatever but but in in within five rounds, I think you needed to go back into the shortstop pool and get another capable guy because, as we said all offseason, if you're projecting him for a full season, you're, you're really creating trouble for yourself. So stay tuned there. I wouldn't panic. Obviously, you can't go out and start selling him now. You'll, you'll, you'll lose uh, on that investment given the panic, but uh, it didn't look good for Hanley Ramirez, so I'm a bit nervous there. Uh, and then a, a disabled list trip is in order for Oswald r c In fact, I think it's been completed today. He's going to go on the disabled list with a hip injury. Um, I was kind of excited about him this year. I you was know, looking for guys that have some, some great raw power, not too worried about the batting average piece because of the offensive environment that we're in these days. I thought he was a good target. Looks like he, he was he was kind of getting going. He was finally getting going here. Uh, he had five, uh, six, a six-game hitting streak going, uh, did Arcea before this injury. The Twins have been playing really good ball. This was kind of a bummer for him and, of course, for, for his fantasy owners, but it doesn't appear like it's going to be a major long-term thing. What do you think of Arcea and the hip?
1: I've always thought of him as a one-tool player and a part that's not great for his, his one tool. So Strong um, point. I haven't really been in on him. You know, in a in a perfect world, you know, Oswaldo Garcia and, and Avicel Garcia are in perfectly neutral parks and then we could have a real nice debate <laughs> about, you know, who's got more power potential, um and uh who's got worse plate discipline and um who who'll make more contact and who'll have better batting average. But just you know, the way it is now, um I, I just have been mostly out on him. I do think that his peak at some point will look pretty nice. And I'm not sure where that's going to be. I mean, he's 23 and now he's hurt. Um, and you can bet on a on a, on a peak season sometime in the next three, four years. And it, I mean, given that he hit 20 in 410 play appearances and 14 in 378 the first year before, he could really have a peak that's about, you know, 275, 280 type season with 30 Agreed. homers. I mean, it's not, not a crazy thing to say. It's just... I don't know when that's going to come. The the meat, the the way, the place that you should be betting is more on a 250 kind of 20 homer, 25 homer season. Um, and uh, and uh, you know it's there's still some refinement left to, to, to his game. I mean, he was whiffing almost 20 percent of the time. Uh, and i'm not talking strikeouts i'm He's talking Swinging, swinging sw- strike right
0: exactly yeah cuz if he got his strikeout rate to, down to 20% that would actually be be a boon for Oswaldo RC so uh, like i said this doesn't from the news that we've we've gotten that this 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 uh right hip flexor strain isn't supposed to be a huge deal something that's going to you know really keep him out uh well beyond the 15 days they're even, they're even hoping that maybe it could be uh be a quick one maybe 20 days uh, as opposed to, you know, multiple months here. So don't worry. I wouldn't necessarily go out and cut him. So if you've got DL spots, just put Oswaldo RC on there. I like the power upside. Let's talk about some uh, some recent performances here, on, both on the hot and cold side. Look, we're going to start hot, though. We're going to start out in Oakland. Uh, We've got to start with Steven Vogt. First off, he just continues to dominate. Again, this is a guy we've talked about a few times, but he continues to dominate, and so he kind of keeps staying on the radar here. But also, it just so happened that the night after he hits a grand slam... Um, the very own Eno Saris, uh, has written a piece about Mr. Vote, and I'm going to just open the floor to you and tell us what you've learned about him so far. Because uh, you asked the question, should we believe in Stephen Vote? And I, I know you wrote it on Fangraphs proper, so it definitely has some defensive aspects to it. But tailor it a little bit, obviously, to our, 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 our fantasy contingent here, this offense has been – off the charts he's second to only nelson cruz in wrc plus right now by by exactly one point 223 to 222 Stephen vote has been unreal what'd you learn
1: well obviously a 346 iso and a 372 batting average are out of his uh out of, probably out of the realm of a full season possibility are you sure? but are you sure uh, yeah. okay no continue sorry and and uh and a little bit of uh Defense for 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 thinking about the defensive side of the of things, you know the reason why it took him so long is because basically the Rays I don't think thought he could really catch. They didn't think so at and, all. Yeah, and so they played him at first and the corner outfield and all over the diamond, and 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 since he's not playing center, not playing short, not playing second or third, the bar for him, you know, his bat to get to the big leagues was pretty high. And so, you know, he was kind of middling along at double A and he said that the coach there um, and him, I think uh, something Sandberg, they decided that they, that he was going to have to be more aggressive. And he actually sort of used the same nomenclature that you, or the same kind of wording that you would, you would use when you're talking about a sort of a Dominican player. He was like, I knew I had to hit my way to the big leagues. So he just got less patient and more aggressive and had his best power year um, in in 2011, and 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 showed and best batting average year, and sort of showed them that he could put together power and batting average. Yeah, it, re- it really and, shows. Uh, it's a it's a big jump when you're looking at the numbers. Yeah, and and you know that power jump a lot, you know, got him made him more interesting at you know at the corners and and but uh, when they brought him up to the big leagues, he didn't really he had a 27. Uh, play appearance, cup of coffee, you know, by that time he was old. So if they're doing statistical modeling on him and they're saying, okay, we've got this corner bat in uh, AAA triple a in 2012, the Rays say this, and he's got league average offense in terms of isolated. So he's got league average offense right now in 20, in 2012, when he's uh, 28 years old uh, or 27 years old. So basically his peak is league average offense in triple a. I don't think we really have an asset here. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, but, and and you can understand why that assessment would come to pass, but, you know.
1: Yeah, but Billy Bean, you know, saw – I think Billy Bean has a different attitude about age at level than some people. Because when we talked about Joey Wendell, I said, you know, first off, he has no standout tool. And he said, well, he's, he's above average across the board. And I said, all right, I'll maybe give you that. But he's old for his level. And he said, well, it's not his fault, you know. I think that Bean sometimes takes into account the fact that um, organizations make bad decisions. Sometimes. Sure,
0: they, they all do, and, even the best.
1: And, yeah, and that some, and also that some players that were drafted old and out of college didn't necessarily move about as fast as they could, and, and didn't necessarily uh, show a fault in in um, stagnating at a level or whatever. That's that's sort of in the nutshell what Billy Bean said back to me. So. In this case, I think they probably said, well, Tampa's, you know, I think looking past the fact that he could probably play at least a scratch catcher, and if we have a scratch catcher with, a, with the ability to make contact like Vote has, which he's demonstrated in the big leagues so far, he is a, a good contact hitter. Yeah. And it's also shown the ability to sh- hit for a little bit of power, then, you know, let's give him a chance. And, so, and then he, he learned some framing from Jose Molina. He said that, you know, catching every day made him a better catcher. And uh, I think what we're seeing now is one last little tweak where they, they, he said that, you know, I'm going to try and swing less, swing sometimes not swing at strikes because um, I know I'll put it in play because I have really good ability to make contact. And so I need to be really selective about what pitches I do swing at. In order to make the hardest contact, it's, so
0: it's been really impressive, and we're seeing just a, a, an across-the-board breakout for Stephen Vogt. Um, even what you're talking about here, the strikeout rate continues to to slowly melt. Uh, it was 19 percent um, the first year he really got a sample, 2013 with the A's. You mentioned the 27 plate appearance cup of coffee. By the way, for the Rays, he went 0 for 25. Uh, with two walks in those 27 plate appearances. Good thing he made it back to the majors. That would be such a bummer for somebody to come up and go over 25 and that be the end of their career. Uh, But yeah, you know, even when at at, at the highest for votes strikeout rate at 19%, that was still perfectly solid, but then 14% last year and just 12% so far this year. Meanwhile, the walk rate shooting way up uh, from 6% each of the first two years that he's had to 14% this year, just been really impressed. He's already got seven homers um, in 25 games after nine in 84 games. Steven vote, the breakout uh, it's been amazing. And as you mentioned at the outside, it's obviously not going to stay at this level because this is this is MVP ridiculousness, but I think he's going to continue to be a very good player. So, you
1: know, here's a here's an interesting would you rather that somebody uh, asked me today. They said vote or McCann, uh, and you know, let's vote for me. You know, McCann. Wait, vote yeah. for you? Yeah, and you know, vote. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm so I'm still kind of depressed about my AL labor. Um, it just in so many different ways, but. <sighs> Uh the Chris Ionetta Russ Martin plan at, at catcher is I think it was gonna be okay in the long run. Sure. Uh I don't think Carlos uh, Perez is gonna take his job, but um I'm sorry if I got that name no, wrong. No. I know uh, it's that, Carlos. It was
0: Carlos Perez who was just called up as Drew Butera was um was DFA'd. So I agree with you. It, it's not gonna take his his role there.
1: But 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 the you know the other plan was vote, and I and I wish I had done that instead, but um, in any case, uh, the 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 thing about vote that uh, versus McCann is that vote is going to have a better batting average. He's a spray hitter with some power and great contact rate, so he's just going to have a better batting average than McCann going forward. And if you believe some part of this power breakout, he might have similar power. And so then McCann, you're really betting on McCann to stay in the lineup, stay healthy at his age, and also um, you know play DH and and really run out in front and runs an RBI. Which is, I think, would would make it close between the two of them. But, um, you know, you never n- really know with runs in RBI as, as well. Of course. And, uh, and I kind of just prefer the guy who's going to have a great batting average and could be in the midst of a power breakout. I,
0: I think so. Jason and I did this one on Sunday. Uh, But we said – because we talked about vote then too because, like I said, every time – every day before the pod or day of the pod, he does something, and it's like, wow, we got to kind of still keep talking about him. I know we've talked a lot about him, but (laughs) it's ridiculous. Uh, I think Jason and I did one of, of vote versus Sal Perez, which I think most people will be like, oh, that's Sal Perez so easily. But I'm taking vote. I really am. I just, I'm not a huge Sal Perez guy power wise. And I know that he's a good batting average guy overall, but I think he's going to get run down again the way he did last year. And that's going to eat at the batting average. If he's if he was, playing time was maintained properly i think i might take perez because uh, i think the batting average um would would go to him barely uh and then the power would be you know probably close enough but the way he gets run down you're probably going to give away like a whole month of just crappy numbers to really weigh him down so i would take vote there and obviously if you're making that trade you can get vote and something for perez i i feel pretty confident about
1: yeah i might do that kind of trade, but. I think I'll still take Perez just because he has the same sort of contact ability um, as both. And then, you know, you can also flip the coin and say that everyday playing time um, is really going to help him in running RBI. and
0: offense, the way they're playing. And I'm sure they're going to cool down, but I'm not sure that they're – you know, I I didn't like the Royals coming into the year. I'll freely admit that. I thought they were going to have a big fade uh, because I don't believe in the offense, and the offense has been – very, very great. Uh, so, yeah, if they continue to just be good, not they don't even have to be great or very great, as I said, which is a stupid uh, f- phrase. Very great. I don't think anyone ever says very great. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, even if they kind of regress back down, I still think they're going to be much better than they were last year. And that will help press. So I agree with you that the playing time thing cuts both ways because um, as long as you do keep playing, you're still going to kind of nickel and dime those runs in RBS. That one's very close. But I, I just I, maybe I just want to get out there and say that's how much I, I like vote now. And I, I talked earlier in the season about how I missed the boat on this guy. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make up for that. I've been using him in daily like crazy and it's been working. Uh, but let's talk about his teammate. Like we can't we got to stay in Oakland here because Josh Reddick is un- unbelievable right now. Like I know it's 82 plate appearances, but the, it's a silly 82 played appearances that he's put up especially because of the skills that have gone with it josh reddick has a 389 463 639 triple slash right now which is yielding um a a meager 209 wrc plus with four homers two stolen bases 20 ribbies and 14 runs again, that's an 82 plate, plate appearances. But what's really standing out is the 6% strikeout rate and the 12% walk rate both of which are far and away career bests by leaps and bounds, especially that 6% strikeout rate. What do you see in here and how much do you b- believe in this from Reddick? because uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty psyched on him and I was pretty geeked on him coming into the year as a, just a power guy but he's looking you know, he's looking great so far. I just I'm really impressed. Obviously it won't last at this level, but how much of these new skills do you believe can last with the walks and strikeouts? Yeah,
1: you know, he's funny because he he's he's told me in the past I did an interview with him and I and I said, What about this uppercut swing dude? You know, like you you really could um, you know, flatten out a little bit and and maybe not hit the pop flies that you that you hit. And um, you know, and not have the the kind of batting the batting average on balls in play that you have. And he was like, I, I know all about that. I know that you know hitting fly balls isn't a great way to a good average. And he was just like, but this is who I am. Thirty two homers, and this, bro. This,
0: and then he drops the mic and walked yeah, away.
1: Yeah, exactly. He was like, he's like, this is how I got here, and this is who I am, and I can't really change that. I mean, that said, right now he's hitting the most ground balls for fly ball, so maybe there's something going on there. It Could also be sort of classification situation because. He's got 28% line drive rate. And some of those could so, be flies. Yeah. So you never By know the way, how that's going to even out. You mentioned out.
0: batted balls, and this is something that we talked about on the Thursday episode. We should mention that the pull, central, oppo, and soft, medium, hard percentages that we were talking about being on the leaderboards are now on individual player pages. So.
1: Yeah, and I was gonna, I was actually going to mention that with Redick because uh, he's got a career-low oppo percentage. and. He, it's almost in some ways that he just decided to. He was going to be like the most he, him that he could be, <laughs> the most Reddick possible. Yeah, and just like not even bother with the the one side of the field, just try and hit it as hard as he could, and um and you know career high hard hit percentage, and uh and also I looked at his swing rates because of that oppo percentage, and you know literally just spitting on everything on the outside part of the not play. interesting even if it's going. Not, even if it's going to be a called strike he's just he's just really um not swinging at, at pitches on the outside part of the plate so you know he's he's looking for to eat where he wants to eat and um it's working out for him I think you know eventually pitchers will move out there a little bit more and he'll have to think about what he wants to do a little bit more with the outside okay. pitch um but you know I love I love the fact that he's got the career high contact rate I mean I'm a little bit more about the six percent strikeout rate than I am about the twelve yeah. percent walk rate, just because of how those things stabilize. But the four point six percent swinging strike rate—that's great, it's so good. I mean, that that could really that could lead to you know a career eye batting average. Really, I mean, I guess you could. There was a two eighty in a half season with the Red Sox, um, but by the you know even with the rest of season uh, projections the way they are, he's going to finish the season about uh, above two eighty. I think. Let's
0: so, do this. Let's do this. Um... Because there's a similar guy breaking out, or, or, or there's a guy breaking out in a similar way where he's like just super cut into his his strikeout rate. He hasn't turned up his walk rate quite as much, but both are, are pretty stark differences from what he's been. Younger guy, a little bit different profile, but who would you prefer between Josh Reddick and Jake Marisnik?
1: Yeah, you know Marisnik has really proven me wrong. I mean, the the nice thing about Marisnik is he's kind of doing the the spray chart thing too where um, he's got kind of the Moustakas thing and is is uh, spraying it all th- over. Almost almost thirty-three
0: in all three and all three quad uh, not quadrants at that point, and all three slices pull there. Pull center oppo uh, yeah.
1: you know, thirty-three pull. And honestly, just to just to bring this up real quick, I, I think the pull center oppo is much more important that it's on the on the pages than the hard soft medium hard. Agreed. And just real quickly because pull pull center oppo stabilizes really quickly. It's like fifty balls in play. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh so that and i think it's a lot easier it's way easier to ch- to chart that's, a pull center that's, off that's what page. i was
0: thinking I, I didn't know about the quick stabilization i was thinking from a classification standpoint you can really trust it um uh, quite a bit better than you can with like a with like a medium versus a hard unless those medium hards are being judged by stat cast which i'm sure they will eventually will be but but i think those are are human classifications right now aren't they
1: yeah, they are. And, you know, I did the year to year correlations for pitchers for soft percentage, and it was right up there between, like, c- complete game percentage and ERA minus. So um, it's not the stickiest thing year to year for pitchers. And, um, I mean, nobody would ever say anything about complete games. And then uh, for hitters, uh, I haven't done the year to year correlation yet. Uh, but if it was similar to the one for pitchers, it would uh, basically be a little bit better than line drive percentage, which is. About uh, 0.22, uh, the pitchers the pitchers' uh, soft percentage allowed was 0. Um, 0.34, and uh, and BABIP is 0. 0.35. So this is this is something that had that's a little bit. I would describe this as a little bit better than line drive rate. Which is perhaps the worst stat we keep on. As our you've business.
0: mentioned regularly about how unsticky <laughs> it is, and 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 to be careful yeah. when when we talk too much about it, I, I I hear you on that. Uh, for me, I'm I'd still take Reddick, but I, I've I'm I'm buying in on Marisnik. I, I I uh in a only league I'm in, we do bids every other week, so he was still out there and obviously put up you know had all these numbers by Sunday, so there was going to be a big bid. I put a big one in thinking. I'm, I'm going to try to believe in this kind of like uh, for me, and I'm, I'm not comparing them in terms of saying that they're the same. Uh, just using a loose classification of saying, uh, I thought he was this year's Blackman, Charlie Blackman, where I'm like, okay, I'm going to kind of believe in this that even if it regresses, there's going to be enough power, speed to be useful. So I made a substantial bid, and I and I got outbid. I was up there uh, in the 30s on a on a 150 budget, and and I got outbid. So. I'm I I'm buying a bit on Marisnik, but I just I'm, I've always been a Josh Reddick fan, so I'm I'm super geeked about well, this one, start.
1: One thing I would say is that a 9.2% swing strike rate doesn't really jive with a 12.7% strikeout rate. So whereas Reddick has a really low swing strike rate to go with his strikeout rate, Marisnik actually has a sort of a above average swing strike rate to go with this strikeout okay. rate. Okay. And he also has a history of bad Big strikeout time. rates, which is which is why I didn't really like him going into the season. Um, and honestly, everything – it's like if someone said that, that Mariznik was going to be good this year and now they're claiming that you know that they they knew Mariznik was going to be good this year, it seems disingenuous to me because this is not the same Jake Mariznik we've seen. I mean, he has a career high in power. Okay, yeah, nice new park. Okay, maybe you can give him that. He's stealing bases – way way faster than he did last year and
0: and, and nobody and, would see that coming because first off it's a new manager george springer's doing the same i feel like we don't really know much about stone bases in terms of outside of the yeah. rabbits that we know are going to run everything else kind of seems it's so manager dependent opportunity dependent that you know so many guys i think a lot more guys than than we as a fantasy community believe are capable for 20 steals actually are if they were just given the chance it's just a matter of getting those and, chances.
1: And did, the, and did the people that, that you know that, that uh, were touting him know that he would drastically uh, change his ground ball fly ball mix and his pull center oppo I mix? I can't imagine. Yeah. So I mean, those I like the pull center oppo change. I think that'll lead to a good Babbit. But you know, even last year he had a three thirty eight baby and a two forty nine baby. Yeah, because he strikes out
0: too much. So we'll see how long that thirteen percent strikeout rate is gonna hold for Marisnik. That's that's where I'm I'm cautious too. But again even as he backs off, I think there's enough power speed there again. Like I was saying with like a Blackman, I know that it's not Coors, but but Minute Maid is is a nice park. So that's the assessment that I was making there. That even if he flattens those the triple slash to to a much more reasonable or Mariz level uh, that we've seen in the past, maybe you know elevated from last year's uh, what, what what do you have like a six something uh, OPS, but something in this in the mid seven hundreds. Okay. I can deal with that because the power and speed will be there, but I still want Reddick overall. We've got to talk about Brandon Crawford because this was a guy I did like coming into the year, and I am back patting myself a little bit here. Not that he's, yeah. you know, he's not, he's not crushing it because he's still only hitting 235, which is actually worse than last year, but the pop. And and that's where I was with him. I thought he was a cheap uh, NL only shortstop or mixed league middle infielder who could give me 15 homers. And obviously he's on pace to smash that. Um, I'm I'm not saying he's going to keep this pace and hit 30, but I I thought, you know, 15 homers and and, and playing every day. I'll, I'll take that from him after 10 homers last year. What have you seen from Brandon Crawford? Do you think that the batting average could jump back up a little bit? Because, like I said, 235 right now, you, a career 240s something. He's been 248, 248, 246 the last three years. Is, is he just a 15 and 250, or is there more here? Uh, I know it's a 24% home to fly ball rate that's going to sharply drop. That's why we're saying Brandon Crawford's not going to hit 30 bombs. But do you see maybe 20, or or is 15 and two, 245 kind of what we're getting?
1: Well, I mean, there's, there's that, you know, the career high hard percentage. I mean, hard to know what to make of that. Um, it's nice that he stole it all from his soft percentage. So even if there's some classification issues, there's definitely some shift towards harder contact, yes, because, right? Yeah, not,
0: because even if you want to send some all of those hards to the mediums, it's right. coming from the soft. That's a good point.
1: Um, so that's a good thing uh career high center field percentage um you know I often talk to hitters you know Mike Trout just told me um last week um, stole
0: stole that one from Matthew Barry I always liked when he said when he made fun of
1: people for name dropping well I I mention it because uh the I don't know how good the piece will be but anyway um uh he was saying that he's trying to go he tries to go right center they all you know almost all of them say they try to go right center so here's the guy who, who's going to center field more often. I have to also point out that Robert has this on a yearly basis. He has a, like a, stretch, a, a good, absolutely. yeah, a good couple of weeks. I do like um, the changes in walk rate, um, and uh, you know I, I think that that if it sticks is good, but it's not really backed up by the the zone numbers. Um, he's actually career low in zone swing percentage, career high in reach rate. Um, and I don't know how to sort of square that with his career high and swing strike rate um, and his nice walk rate. So I, I you know, he is 28 and um, he was kind of rushed to the major leagues because they needed his defense and they needed somebody who could play shortstop at all as good as he can. And, I believe his good defensive numbers, I think they might even be short on him a little bit. Um, so I think he's, uh, he's, he's in that sort of two to four win uh, range and is super valuable to the Giants right now. And this could be one of his better offensive years. But I don't think that he's necessarily much better off in any leagues other than maybe on base percentage leagues in case the uh, walk rate. True. Hurts.
0: true, and, and he had, you know, an 11% last year. So uh, Crawford's had a couple decent walk rates here these last two years. Like I said, I was looking for a power, cheap middle infielder. Middle infield can get ugly at times. So uh, that's what I liked about him co- co- coming into the year. Another middle infielder who was not cheap, not cheap at all, but is is proving that may, may, maybe he was maybe he was cheap because he was going what fourth fifth round and D Gordon uh, has been playing like a first second rounder so far at least he's hitting 433 still um, you know a month plus in 12 stolen bases no homers obviously I mean, you know I, do I even really need to mention the homers and RBIs nobody cares about him for that 16 16 runs scored things are really going well for D Gordon that trade was obviously clowned. Uh, by a lot of folks when it happened it ended up being what the d gordon for uh andrew heaney and then heaney was flipped to get howie kendrick so it's basically kind of a three-team sort of deal uh but you know the marlins were kind of clowned for, for going out and getting gordon he had that terrible second half there uh, you know like didn't walk at all it just it, it really fell off but he's off to a great start here his strikeout rate's down his walk rate is up a lot of good stuff from D. Gordon so far. Obviously, it has to slow down for him. 489 batting average on balls in play is actually just kind of hilarious um, mm-hmm. after 25 games. what, what do you, Are you seeing anything different from him that you're saying, okay, I can believe this a little bit more that we're not going to have the collapse? Or is this just another hot start that you would be enjoying if you had him but you're kind of seeing a future collapse because there just isn't a lot of hard contact from
1: uh, Mr. D. Gordon. Yeah, it's a minuscule hard contact number, like 15%. But uh, you know, I I think actually I would uh, buy or hold. I I mean, you, there's sometimes a sneaky buy in these situations I agree. when the person thinks that they're that they're selling high. You know, there's a Zips rest of season projection right there with a 300 batting average, and you know, I know Steamer isn't as happy about him, but I think I'm siding with Zips on this one because um, he's lowered his uh, infield fly rate, um, he's hitting the most ground balls of his career, um, and he's super fast. So I think he's gonna, he's making the most of his skill set, and he's just he's making more contact, um, you know, in, at least in terms of, of strikeout rate. And uh, we're getting close to believable, you know, sort of more signal than noise territory for strikeout rate. So, you know, if he strikes out 12% of the time and puts everything on the ball and never hits a pop up, you know, you're getting close to the point where your batting average is going to be your BABIP. Yeah,
0: batting average is going to be uh, his BABIP and and he's a 340 BABIP for his career. Um, Major stolen bases and then if that offense kind of kicks it into gear a little bit, I think the runs will go up, you know, 16 right now. is isn't too bad, but I, I think he could definitely uh, be even better than that. I like D Gordon, I agree with you on the buy high kind of, that's where I am by the way, with, with vote, you know, you, you buy high and, and, People are like, what are you buying high for on this? It, it, sometimes it can be a little bit tricky in, in a positive way. You're, you're, you're on the right track when you go to buy high because somebody thinks that they're getting out from under something that's going to collapse. And, yeah, it's going to come down, but it doesn't mean it's going to collapse, and that's actually how I feel about both Gordon and Vote. I'd be interested in buying high on both of them. Uh, let's shift over to some pictures here, and let's talk about Dallas Keuchel. And actually, we'll we'll talk a little bit about teammate Colin uh, McHugh too, because they were kind of paired together this off season. Of you know, do you believe in them? Um, which, if you only believe in one, which do you like? I think a lot of people were kind of leaning toward McHugh because of the strikeouts. But Keichel, let, let's start with him. He's been on freaking real so far this year. It's just been really impressive uh, with what Keuchel has been doing. Not a huge strikeout asset. He wasn't last year. He's kind of the same this year, right at the 18% that we've seen the last two years from Keuchel. But the ground ball rate remains elite up at 65% up from 64% last year. Uh, He is handling all comers, you know, last year, or excuse me, last week he had an outing against San Diego. Oh, they're the highest team in WRC plus against lefties. This could be a little bit of a, a comeback for him. And I think they got to him for three hits and a run in the first inning. And, you know, Twitter, oh, here we come, Here it comes. Told you. And then like six no hit innings in a row or something or uh, six <laughs> scoreless for sure. I don't know if they were no hit, but he just completely shut them down after that first inning. And then Keichel had another gem of an outing last night. Of course, it was against Texas. Um, he took the uh, no decision, unfortunately, despite going eight, eight, strong with one run eight strikeouts two walks just five hits but he's been unreal gone fewer than seven innings just once it was against the angels who are also very good against lefties but he went six innings of two hit ball no runs seven strikeouts three walks and i mentioned now two different starts here eight and seven strikeouts so he's not a consistent Strikeout guy, but he can get them. He's not devoid of the ability to get them They're just not kind of the way he goes about it. So I I like that in a guy too There are some guys out there who just they can't get strikeouts They don't have the stuff to really get it done I think keiko's more of a guy where if he tried for them, maybe he could get a 22 or 23 percent rate But it would be at the detriment of everything else I love everything that's going on with him I would also entertain buying high here to be quite honest because I think at the very least he could be, you know, like a three fifty, three forty, three fifty 340, 350 ERA pitcher the rest of the way. And I would take that. Uh, I guess it would depend on price. I think at this point now, six starts in, someone might want quite a bit. But where are you with Keiko? And then we'll dip into uh, McHugh, too, who's off to a, a solid start but not quite as excellent.
1: Yeah, I mean, leads the league in ground ball rate. Right? And – you know that that like we've said that that, that should lead to a better Babbitt than he's even shown in his career. He had a 296 Babbitt, but you know elite ground ball rates uh, usually lead to lower Babbitts. I think the theory is that the hitters are on their toes, so you know you got uh, you got a you got a chance there to uh, to you know even with regression um, and which is you know buying high. The, the person who's selling thinks you know oh he's going to have a 300 Babbitt the rest of the way. You know, if you think he's going to have a 250 Babbitt the rest of the way, that's how he has, you know, that's how he would improve upon his rest of season projections. I mean, the rest of season projections have with 301 Babbitt, 313 Babbitt, 311. So I would take the the under on all those. And that I mean, that gets you closer to 3.5, three, 1.25 what, what are these whips
0: that, that are in the projections the rest of the way? Those are so high.
1: Yeah, I think they must be reaching past his breakout because – you know, in 2013, he he ditched a a bad curve for that slider and and sort of changed everything. Yeah,
0: exactly, and that's where we started to see some glimpses of maybe there's something here. Even though this is a 5.15 ERA pitcher for Keuchel, I, I remember talking about him in the 2014 SP guide, like keep an eye here. There could be a couple. There could be a little something here. I didn't see a 2.93 ERA and 118 WHIP out on of yeah. him in 200 innings, but yeah, I think I think he's legitimate. Um, let's shift over to, to McHugh, who, like I said, is. Off to a great start in his own right, 341 ERA in 32 innings so far. The strikeout rate is down, uh, but still still useful. He's at 7.4, down from 9.1 strikeouts per nine last year. Uh, but McHugh still has the strikeout potential that we see. You know, We see an 11 strikeout game. He can get it going, but it hasn't been consistent. Uh, he has three of his five outings have been th- uh under five strikeouts. So, are you seeing anything from McHugh here? I mean, we talked about the two breaking balls that he's going to ride them in- until he can't, and we agree with him that he- we-, we agree with that theory that he should because that's what's making him successful. Um, what, what have you seen from him so far, uh, with Colin McHugh?
1: It's really interesting. I, I think it's um. He, i i don't know if it's a cutter or a slider you know we have it listed as a slider i think every i think brooks has it listed as a slider everybody has it listed as a slider but he, i think he kind of uses it as a cutter and it's a uh, uh you know up to 41% uh you know which is higher than his fastball rate so you know that's really rare that there's nobody's out there really throwing sliders more than than um fastball so I wouldn't be surprised if he calls it a cut fastball. Tyson
0: Ross would like to throw a slider more if he could I think he I think he would so don't don't say that nobody's gonna well, Ross, do
1: it. Ross's slider is really No, a I know. Slider, I'm know. i, just,
0: I I'm just trying to take a, a little bit of a cut at him for how many how often he throws a slide but I agree with you when you get to the percentage this high maybe it is sort of a classification situation because I've always seen it as a slider as well but um, I actually haven't seen him pitch this year so is the velocity up at all to make it look like uh, more of a cutter, or, or is it just something that people call a slider that he would cut, he would treat more as a fastball?
1: Maybe he has two pitches in there because the, the velocity is indeed up a little bit, a 6.6, um, which would be kind of weird unless he changed something. Maybe he's always had a slider and a cutter and a curve, and the cutter and the slider are so close that the classifications just lump them together. Mm-hmm but he's actually throwing a lot of cutters. And this year the increase has come from throwing more cutters because when I ran his slider, um, when I, when I compared his slider movement and velocity to the average right-handed slider, um, numbers and the average right-handed cutter numbers, his pitch came right in the middle. Okay. So, you know, usually a slider is 84. So the, you know, let's say a right hander normally throws 91.6, um, you know McHugh this year is a little bit lower 90.6 um, you, you would expect so the normal average right hander slider is 84 so you would expect McHugh's slider to be around 83 if it was average Okay. so okay. he's he's definitely harder than that uh, and in terms of drop um, you know the sliders have a 1.4 vertical number cutters have a 6 vertical number and McHugh has a 2.5 so it doesn't drop as much as slower sliders that act a little bit more like curves. Um, and it goes harder, so it could be a hard slider. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was more cut fastball than cutter. Um, and I think that's something I'd, I'd really look forward to asking you. I was going to say, because...
0: you got me so intrigued that I'm, I'm I'm here on the Astros schedule now. I wish we'd have discovered this a couple weeks ago because they were here – or not here, but they were there where you are, the 24th I know, I had, through the
1: 26th. I had, I had him down uh, for research too, but uh, he is uh, actually doing some sort of book club, not book club thing, but he's like trying to read a book a week or something. I tried to do that and, one year. And uh, he never sat by his locker. He just sat and read that, read that well, book. So
0: now it's a, it's, a, it's a long way out. Maybe we'll have more data by then and we'll already know the answer, but they don't come back until August 6th. So, you've got a long way to go uh, in terms of them yeah. coming back out to Oakland. Doesn't look like they play the Giants in any inner league, at least not in San Francisco. That's just with a quick look of the uh, uh, of the schedule there. Maybe, maybe there's another. Maybe he'll make the All Star game, and you go to the All Star game, and, and and you meet him there. I don't even know if you're going to the All Star game. I'm 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 creating trips for you. I'm now your travel agent. You're going You're <laughs> going to the All Star game now. Uh, no, that's very. You got me really intrigued here because. Um, now I'm looking at it month by month, and it—I really wouldn't be surprised if he says, "Yeah, it's two different things." And these certain months, I'm throwing the—you sl- know—certain times I'm throwing the slider more, certain times I'm—I'm I'm cutting it more because. Uh, last year, McHugh had you know eighty five miles an hour from uh, June and July, and then it jumped up to eighty seven eighty eight for the final two months and uh, it, it had yeah. started eighty seven eighty eight for the first two months of the season so it 's kind of vacillated i 'm very interested uh, in both of these guys I, I was I was buying both i didn 't get a bunch of shares of both, but I, I I did believe in them, and I was comfortable investing in them. I got a couple shares of them. But uh, I didn't get as much McHugh and Keiko as maybe I would have liked given how great they've they've been pitching so far. Uh, Let's see here. We're going to have to wrap up soon because you are headed to the yard. I've got to talk about – the. This guy. I'm gonna skip one of the the guys on on the list here because I gotta talk about Alex Wood and I gotta get your thoughts. And I'm a little bit ticked at myself because this was a guy I didn't believe in for a while. And I finally come around. I'm like, you know what? Maybe this guy can make it work with these crazy mechanics because the command last year just blew me away. It didn't make sense, but but he did it for 172 innings. I consistently watched it and I was impressed. I said, you know what? Maybe this is pretty legit. Well, so far this year. He looks lost, and I, I, it, a lot of it has to do with command, and and the and I'm sure the mechanics are a big part of that because they are so funky. What are you seeing from Alex Wood that has him with a 4.32 ERA, a 162 WHIP, and 11 hits per per nine? What are you seeing out of Alex Wood right now?
1: Yeah, I wrote him up last week for the uh, for the change for my uh, my article, and um, I mean. The, the weirdest thing about Alex Wood is that the shapes of his pitches aren't are not, aren't any different. Uh-huh. You know, the velocity and the shape of his pitches aren't any different. And you would assume that somebody with a good knuckle curve like he's got, um, and representative velocity for a left hander, not necessarily average but close, and uh, and a good changeup, that this guy would kind of do something like he did last year. And you know, in terms of swinging strikes and strikeout rates, he's done it all the way up to this year. So. I'm actually still in on okay. him. When I looked at, when I looked at him, um, what's happening is he's missing I'm low. I'm looking at your piece right now, now.
0: I missed it last week. Continue. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, he's, he's missing low. So, you know, uh, you know, that could be on purpose. Um, you know, his ground ball rate is the highest it's ever been. So that's a good Maybe thing. Maybe he's hearing about uh,
0: how the, the low strike is, you know, being called so much and he's trying to take advantage. I, I, that, that's the complete yeah. guess right there.
1: Right, no, but I just mean that it is—it is a thing that everybody preaches. All coaches preach loan away, so you know he could be doing this for his coaches and trying to establish loan away, and then he'll do everything he's going to do afterwards. But um, I'll get it. That was amazing. That was me. I, I know. Think. I was joking. I was saying <laughs> I'll, I'll answer it. I don't know why my phone was ringing on my desk. It is not attached to my computer. It, it sounded and like it was
0: in. In the, uh, no,
1: it did. It started ringing in my – That's anyway. crazy. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, so, Alex Wood, so, so – He's going he's low, and he's not uh, – he's – you know, you can still get whiffs without being an account that you're expecting, that you need to have whiffs. So, but he, he's just not – he's not put in a position to really get whiffs anymore. Would you give up, um, let's say – I've
0: uh, mentioned – Several times you're much better at this game than I am, so these might be terrible names, but I'm going to do a couple here. Would you give Jake Odorizzi for Alex Wood? I, I assume since you're still buying, you probably would.
1: Uh, well, you know, Odorizzi with the cutter is really almost a new picture I was going to say
0: he's because de- I was going to. The first thing I was going to say was, I'm sure you're you're. Preseason rankings had those two far apart, but we've learned more about Odorizzi since. So maybe this—maybe I'm a little bit better at this game than I thought, or at least, at least the first name. We'll see how I keep doing. Um, because those two have closed the gap for me. I, I had a sizable gap. I think you, you've you got me thinking that I maybe should not go too crazy on, on pushing um, uh, Alex Wood down. So by that measure, even if I move Odorizzi up a good handful of ranks for my preseason ranking, I still got to stick with Wood. But uh, that's much closer than I thought it would be. Are, are you sticking with Wood or or jumping to Odorizzi?
1: I'll stay with Wood. Um, I think it's so close that I'm gonna you know cite the National League factor. Okay. Um, plus, you know, you've got one guy in Odorizzi who is full, new new guy. It was funny. I was laughing with Jesse Hahn about this. Who you know he he knew Jake, and I said, you know. What the hell? He's not even anything close to what he used to be. He's his fastball slider guy in Kansas City, in Kansas City, and now he's, you know, four seam splitter cutter guy. And and I said, what do what what should people even look for anymore? And Hans said, you don't don't ask me. I'm a sixth rounder. <laughs> That's
0: funny. That's funny. By the but, way, uh, uh, he's, no. he's getting it looks like Hans getting back on track a little bit uh, with his last. Few. He wasn't striking anybody out. Did you ask him that? Dude, strike some dudes out. Come on.
1: I did ask him about that, and he said just that. Um, uh, that he was emphasizing the changeup more early on. And as the season goes on, we see these guys again, we'll see more of the curve and there'll be more strikeouts. And I have to actually look at his bat last, um, outing. Cause it wasn't so great. And people said that lefties were teeing up on him, but, uh, You know, the changeup still has good shape, and sometimes a pitch can have a bad day. I still like Jesse Hahn. Yeah,
0: 11 strikeouts in his last two outings after five in his first three outings combined uh, for Hahn. I'm looking at it right now. Let's see. Dozier's not a lefty. Kenny Vargas is a lefty, right? He went two for four in that game. I think Eduardo Escobar is a lefty. He's a switch hitter, so he would have been batting lefty. He went three for four. Jordan Schaefer had three hits, is a lefty as well. So there you go. Interestingly enough, it was bottom of the order lefties that were really getting to him there. But I... I,
1: I, not homers no, or anything. No, but, he got nicked you up.
0: Know. Hits, hits, hits. It was 10 hits in five innings. They nickel. Toronto, uh, the twins nickel and dime you. They, 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 they don't pop you. Um, so if you don't give up a ton of hits, you got a good shot against them. Even if you're homer prone, you might give up a couple solo shots. But uh, they try to nickel and dime, and that's the way they're succeeding right now. Let me do one more name here um, between Alex Wood and – let's see. What about Alex Wood or Scott Kazmir? Another lefty.
1: Actually, uh, I think I'll still take uh, Alex Wood. And that's it's a little bit related to the fact that there there are rumors now that Scott Kazmir is going to be traded. Oh, snap. OK. And Casimir is a guy who had some homer issues all over his yeah. career. He gets traded in the wrong place. Uh, I'd be a little bit worried about that. Plus um, injury for him. Um, last year was 190, but before that it wasn't, it was, you know, a lot of years off and a lot of one fifties. I mean, he's only, he's only pitched 200 innings once in his whole yeah. career.
0: No, uh, Ka- Casimir has closed the gap, but again, I had too big of a gap coming into the year for one month to change it that much, even with myself moving wood down a little bit and Casimir up.
1: Honestly, I, I, I would think hard about Odorizzi. I mean, I think that, I think those are good names. I think you could throw Han in there. I'd probably, uh, take wood over all of them. Uh, but I think Odorizzi is the one where I might say, you know. I'll do I'll do a move it. here. Okay, okay, cool. So yeah. so
0: we're not fully freaking out on Wood just yet. I was. You've calmed me down. I was I was getting angry about it, but uh, you've you've calmed me down there. Uh, we're we're gonna wrap up here. We have some player movement. I just, just quick hitter on these because uh, Chad Billingsley is gonna make a start today, and I believe we're gonna have a two start week. I assume it's a wait and see situation. But do you have any interest in him?
1: I picked him up in an 18 team league uh, that I had David Buchanan. Okay. In yeah. As a, Freaking. I like Buchanan's changeup. But, um, you know, the one thing about Billingsley was that uh, it was kind of funny, kind of coming up with Kershaw, that were the, the two of them. And, I loved you Billingsley
0: know, when he was a prospect in and, and, and his young or early career. Uh, he, I was a huge fan.
1: And, you know, it was funny. I remember a time when um, I was trying to decide who was going to have better command going forward Kershaw or Billingsley. And, you know, Kershaw actually had a little bit of rough edges coming Absolutely. up in the command department. And uh, I thought maybe it would be Billingsley. Um, and then, you know, Billingsley did have one great year where he, he walked better than league average. But his problem most years has actually been command. I mean, he's he's gotten swing strikes, but he hasn't really gotten the, the, uh, the command bit down and, most and, years. And there so, were
0: times that his strikeouts um, were lower than I thought his stuff dictated. I thought he had better stuff. Uh, for a better strikeout, rate. Right? I mean, he had a couple years where he was striking out about one per one per inning, but then, you know, faded after that down to eight and then the, the high sevens. And I thought his stuff was better than that. So I'm intrigued by the comeback. I'm not going crazy. You said 18 team league. That's that's about where, where you're looking, maybe a 15 teamer um, and you got some DL pitchers. What, yeah, yeah 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 absolutely not not 15 team where things are kind of standard you should have some dl pitchers and and a pretty big need before you're going for them there and then the last one um Tyler Lyons uh is it was called up for the for the for the cardinals they're they're kind of piecing it together i think probably until marco gonzalez gets healthy but tyler lions had some flashes of of quality over the last two years overall the bottom line is not that special but uh do you see anything here that you're interested in with lions maybe for nl only
1: he's a lefty yes. right they got my, they got a bunch of lefties. yeah my
0: concern is that uh his days are just numbered until Gonzalez is healthy, because I feel like it's Gonzalez, Lions, and then Cooney, like you said, all lefties. But um, you know, Gonzalez isn't healthy right now, so I- I've got I've got a, a bit of intrigue about Lions, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I always liked him before because he-, he fits my pitch type thing, where he's got the the change in the slider both above eighteen percent in whiffs. So. I got. I- you know, Sorry, I got I got to do one more because I know you're up against it. But the the
0: the replacement for Oswaldo RC I mentioned we would get to him in a second, and that's Eddie Rosario who was called up. He's a prospect of some note. I know he's made some some top 100 lists. Um, what do you think about him? Is there a bat here that 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 is worthy? He has he hasn't been hitting um, in AAA so far this year. He had an abysmal season last year as well, uh, so we haven't seen much out of Eddie Rosario in the last couple of years. But he's still very young. He's only gonna he's only 23 right. Right now, uh, any short-term boost uh, that that has you going out to get Eddie Rosario?
1: I don't really like him that much. Um, I remember watching him and Mookie Betts, um, you know, in the AFL. And uh, I was talking to a scout and I said, well, you know, why do we like Mookie Betts so much when he moves his hands a lot before the pitch um, and, and seems to have a lot going on in his swing? And then we, you know, talk about how Eddie Rosario has too much pre-swing movement. And he kind of walked me through some of it. And it, a little bit about it was how live Mookie's hands are. You know, Mookie's, Mookie is moving his hands a little bit before he swings, but they're very sort of alive and lithe and, and sort of um, uh, plastic, whereas Rosario's um, is more of like a load where he's, he's just, you know, sort of rigidly trying to get ready to, to swing hard. Yeah. Then you throw in the PED, the PED aspect. So you've got a guy who had some breakout numbers, then got bopped for PEDs. Uh, has a bunch of pre-pitch movement. May not have the power to just like if you have pre-pitch movement like that, and then you have like a 200 ISO or 220 ISO because you're just, uh, you know, you're, you're just loading up to hit it hard. That's fine. But if you have pre-pitch movement like that and you don't have that power and then you strike out because you have all that pre-pitch movement, I, I'm not in on Rosario. Yeah, I,
0: I, No, I, I hear you there. Somebody that I have in a 50-round 50, 50, 50 draft and hold because I thought he could get some PT. But the reports I've read, the things I've heard because I've only seen him in AFL. It it hasn't been a positive outlook, so I'm not sure that. Plus, like I said at the outset, Arcia's injury could be a small-time issue anyway, so it might not be uh, much playing time for Rosario to begin with. And then the other one was Austin Hedges, who um, I think Jason and I hit on briefly. He's he's just not a fantasy uh, asset because, first off, he's not going to start. Derek North is still going to start, and he's defense-only. There just isn't a bat there, so... I don't think we really need to go deep on that. Like I said, you got to get out of here uh, very shortly. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Sleeper and the Bus. You can catch both of us on Twitter at Sporer at EnoCeres. Eno, we'll be back in two days to talk more. Until then, have a great time at the yard and try to get healthy. But I think you're just in season. You're only going to be between that 80 and, and 93, 94% health the rest of the way. Until your until your children get fully healthy, I think that's just where you're at right now. So we gotta we have to we have to assess your skills as that we're not getting 100% Eno right now.
1: Ah uh, well, I'm doing my best. And
0: I I appreciate that. I know I know you are. I didn't mean that as a as a as a burn. 100%, 100% the
1: team. 120% yes. The you're team. giving
0: it all to the team. Everything you got. You're just not super healthy. Take care, Eno. <laughs> have a great time with the yard. All right. See you.